fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So it's a feeding frenzy as the left just starts to eat each other. And I'd like to wallow in that for a minute. I would just like to, to marinate in that uh, because uh, there's, there is a revolution happening in the Democratic Party. It's clear. Now, are the Democrats going to wake up to it? You know, I don't know if I don't know if anybody else has a problem with reparations hearings, uh, you know, on Capitol Hill. I mean, if, if I were prioritizing the things that would help America and fix America, reparations would not even be on the list. It would be lower than climate change. We begin there in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right. Welcome to the program. Uh, our sponsor this half hour, Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe is, uh, is uh, it just, I think, the best home security that you can get now uh, anywhere. It is, it has elevated itself to be the absolute best when it comes to. Uh, uh, when it comes to home security systems, it has elevated itself with technology. It has no contracts. It's really easy. You're, you own it. It's fourteen ninety nine a month. So it, it's already head and shoulders above everything else. Now it has just taken the next step. It is now on par with something that you would have to be a large corporation to have. I didn't know this, but if your home alarm, it makes sense. If your home alarm goes off, the police are alerted, 911 is called, and then they show up. But because so many times that home alarm is going off and it's a mistake, those home alarms are always at the bottom of the 911 call, all right? So you're not you're not really getting the police there, and they shouldn't really because most, I mean, every time my alarm has ever gone off, it was a mistake. You know, oh, sorry, I don't know, the door open or whatever. Uh, so you can get now three and a half times faster service from 911 because of Simply Safe. And here's how they do it you're going to get a free HD camera when you order your system. You're gonna, it's HD. It's not like just this black and white blob that you're like, what, what, is, what is that? We're looking for a guy that looks like that black and white blob. This is a high def camera. It's going to record everything that is happening when somebody trips the alarm. It will find them and it will record them so the police will know exactly who it was. But more importantly, they verify that, yes, there is somebody in the house. Somebody just broke into the house, which means you go to the top of the 911 list. That's the difference with Simply Safe. SimplySafeBeck.com, the best in the country simplysafebeck.com go there now sign up save uh, uh i can't remember what is it oh you get the free hd camera yeah just go to simplysafebeck.com that's a hundred dollar value right now simplysafebeck.com You see them, let them know that I'm looking for direction, something solid I can hold. You know, it's a, it's amazing to me. Um, Chuck Todd 
is going after AOC, and you have to give him credit. I mean, when somebody does something brave, no matter if you agree or disagree with him, you should uh, you should come out and say, hey, Chuck Todd, don't normally agree with you, but you're being brave, and that is good. Here's what Chuck Todd said about AOC calling these, uh, these uh, holding facilities concentration camps on our border. Listen. If you want to criticize the shameful treatment of people at our southern border, fine. You'll have plenty of company, but be careful comparing them to Nazi concentration camps because they're not at all comparable in the slightest. But here's where it's uh, upsetting as her comment. Some Democrats have been reluctant to condemn her remarks. They don't want to get criticized on Twitter. Fellow New York Congressman Jerry Nadler tweeted in response, one of the lessons from the Holocaust is never again. We fail to learn that lesson when we don't call out such inhumanity right in front of us. Jerry Nadler surely knows migrant detainment camps are not the same as concentration camps. So why didn't he just say that? Why are we so sheepish calling out people we agree with politically these days? Obviously, this isn't a Democratic Party thing. It's an even bigger problem on the Republican side of the aisle when it comes to President Trump oh, and the reluctance it? there. Are we really so ensconced in our political bubbles, liberal versus conservative, that we cannot talk about right versus wrong anymore? Some things are bigger than partisanship, or at least they used to be. That is that is amazing to hear from him. Now, I... I, I disagree that the problem is even bigger. I mean, you have people now saying, I want to dismantle the free market system. Uh, you know, it, maybe you all agree on that. Maybe that's what it is. But I would think that would be something that would be pretty big, you know. But maybe it's just me. But congratulations to Chuck Todd. Now, Nancy Pelosi, not so brave. Here's Nancy Pelosi. These members of Congress are, they come and represent their district and their point of view, and they take responsibility for the statements that they make. I'm not up to date on her most recent one. I saw something in the news, but I, um, no, I haven't spoken to her about that. I do have some uh, comments to make to my caucus writ large about the political nature of uh, how politically charged the atmosphere is, so understand uh, that while the Republicans have no interest in holding the president accountable for his words, they will misrepresent mm. anything that you say just if you have one word in the sentence that they can exploit. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, OK. So let, let's 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 just see. Let's just see. Let's go to Don Lemon, the audio Don Lemon on airing Trump speeches. Now, let's just see. This is politically charged, and we'll take everything out of context. So you got to calm down because you don't want things taken out of context. Go ahead. Think about the despicable people we've had in history. Okay, now I'm going to use an extreme example. Um, think about Hitler. Think about any mm -hmm. of those people. Would you say mm -hmm. that that person is allowed, or let's put it this way. If you could look back on in history, would you say, well... I'm so glad that that person was allowed a platform so that they could spread their hate and propaganda and lies. Or would you say it probably wasn't the right thing to do to spread that because you knew in the moment that that was a bad person and they were doing bad things. Not only were they hurting people, they were killing people. And so I just think that well, but I think that the example matters. And that's a very extreme example. Uh, rhetoric but that laws, you don't like, could it be a slippery slope towards violence? And policy maybe, are detrimental to people, and it also, it also, this listen, to people like So me. now he's comparing Donald Trump 
to Hitler. Literally, Hitler. Would we give Hitler a platform? Why are we giving this guy a platform? First of all, uh, the German people were not all that sold that this was a bad guy. Okay, uh, And yes, I'm actually happy that uh, the New York Times and Time Magazine and others gave him a platform so we knew his words. The problem I have was the journalist we sent over, just like the journalist from the New York Times that was sent over to Stalin, said that he was a wonderful guy. So... Yeah, you probably shouldn't have given him the New York Times and Time magazine, you know, saying how great he is. That's probably a bad mistake. Um, But uh, letting someone be heard. Yeah, I think that's what our First Amendment is all about. And I think the only way we stop people like Hitler is by knowing what he's saying. If we wouldn't have read Mein Kampf, it would have been a little harder to spot him. Oh, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is he saying again? Should we have published that book? Yes. I want to know what people are thinking. I want to know the other side. I want, it it does no good burying our heads uh, in the sand when it comes to evil. You need to know about it. So now he's called him, uh, now he's called him, uh, a, a, a Hitler. Now he's called Trump Hitler. Okay, we got it. We are getting closer to the time. Remember I said, this is 15 years ago, we're a long way away from a civil war. You'll know when we're closer to a civil war, when they just start beating each other in the Senate. Okay, that's what happened before the last civil war. They just started going after each other in the Senate. Well, we're starting to go there. I don't know if we have... Do we have the audio from The View yesterday? From Megan McCain? Okay, play this. This is a, a an argument between Joy Behar, Megan McCain, and Whoopi Goldberg. Listen to this. I'm trying to explain because one of my producers this morning was saying, why do people love him so much? And I was like, sometimes it's not just that they love Trump so much. It's that they hate the same things Trump hates. That's what's going Ooh, on. Black as people, well. you mean? And no, I mean... Uh, Who do they hate? Who do they you hate? Know what, you know what, Joy? I really Who come here hate? every day open-minded right. just trying to explain it. Okay. And it's not a fun job for but me every day. who do they hate? I know you're angry. I you get it that angry. you're angry that Trump's president, like a lot of people are. I'm angry are, about every single thing he's doing. I don't think yelling at me is going to fix the problem, okay? I just said that it was hard for me to watch. Yes. I just said it was hard for me to watch Lindsey Graham, but who I considered an uncle for a long time. Yeah, but then okay? you're talking about the Trump but supporters. I'm trying to explain okay, so why 2020 is not in the bag here's, for you. But an it's here's not. The, here's the, the, okay, guys. Okay. 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 It's a a great discussion, and we can go back to it. I just need everybody to take a beat. (laughs) But being a sacrificial Republican every day, I'm just trying to... Here's the thing. Don't feel bad for me, because I'm paid to do this, okay? Don't feel bad for me. Before he headed to Florida. Hold on. Stop. Stop. You hear that? Don't feel bad for me, bitch. To Whoopi Goldberg trying to calm things down. And I I completely side with uh, Meghan McCain. Meghan McCain takes a beating every single day. You don't win 
in that position. You are the you are the token conservative and they beat you every single day. But when they can't hide it anymore. Now this is also yesterday. Can we play did we get the audio by any chance yet of uh the subcommittee hearing on the Constitution and civil rights and civil liberties. Yesterday, uh, they had H.R. 40 that they were debating, and it was the path to restorative justice, which is a reparations bill. Now, I can think of a lot of things that would be helpful to fix the country. Reparations is not on the list. But I want to play some of the audio of, of what happened in this. We the temperature is being turned up, and uh, and yeah, Chuck Todd is right, and yes, Nancy Pelosi is right. We should watch our words. We should watch our words. We should watch what we're doing to stir things up. I'm giving you a a warning here uh, as a nation. Look how far we have advanced. These things would not have happened a year ago. They certainly wouldn't have happened four years ago. Look what's, look what's happening to us. Look where we are as a people. I'll give you that audio. Pretty remarkable audio. Uh, because they turn on their own again. Next. So we put together a cruise through history, which is um, uh, a cruise that we're taking next spring. And it is going to be through the Mediterranean. It's going to start in Venice. It goes to Athens, goes to Croatia. Then it's uh, uh, down to the Holy Land. Bill O'Reilly is going to be there. I'm going to be there. Stu, Rabbi Lappin is going to be there. If it, Rabbi Lappin, between David Barton and Rabbi Lappin, you got pretty much all the knowledge uh, that you can contain in a 10-day period. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to learn a lot about the history of the world, history of democracy, the history and the role our faith has played in all of this. You don't want to miss it. Now, yesterday, I found another reason. Global warming people have come out and said, all of the cars, all of the cars, I think in Europe, all of the cars, don't put out as 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 much uh, CO2 as Carnival Cruise Lines. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, boy. So it's a carbon footprint thing? Jeez, and we have to fly to Europe. You have to fly to Europe. You have to fly to, to Italy to get onto that cruise ship. So this is even worse. And I thought, if you'd like to help me make Al Gore cry, join us on this cruise next year. Uh, he'll be openly weeping, and there will be gnashing of teeth, and Bill O'Reilly and the rest of us will be celebrating, along with 3,000 of our closest uh, friends and, and listeners. So make sure you join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. You'll learn a lot, and you'll have a great time, and you don't ever have to pick out your wallet. You pick up your wallet. I mean, even the airfare is included in this, so you don't ever have to pay any for a tip, nothing. All, all inclusive. ComeSailAway.com. ComeSailAway.com. Learn more and join us next spring. ComeSailAway.com. We take 10 seconds to pause for station ID.
I want to play just a little bit of this uh, audio uh, of a of of somebody standing up who is testifying, who is a Democrat, who says reparations. This is crazy. What are we doing now? Listen to his case. Uh, this is um, uh, Coleman Hughes. He is a, a writer for Quillette, which is is fantastic. He came out and said this. Listen. Nothing I'm about to say is meant to minimize the horror and brutality of slavery and Jim Crow. Racism is a bloody stain on this country's history, and I consider our failure to pay reparations directly to freed slaves after the Civil War to be one of the greatest injustices ever perpetrated by the U.S. government. But I worry that our desire to fix the past compromises our ability to fix the present. Think about what we're doing today. We're spending our time debating a bill that mentions slavery 25 times, but incarceration only once, in an era with no black slaves, but nearly a million black prisoners. A bill that doesn't mention homicide once, at a time when the Center for Disease Control reports homicide as the number one cause of death for young black men. I'm not saying that acknowledging history doesn't matter. It does. I'm saying there's a difference between acknowledging history and allowing history to distract us from the problems we face today. In 2008, the House of Representatives formally apologized for slavery and Jim Crow. In 2009, the Senate did the same. Black people don't need another apology. We need safer neighborhoods and better schools. We need a less punitive criminal justice system. We need affordable health care. And none of these things can be achieved through reparations for slavery. Nearly everyone close to me, nearly everyone close to me told me not to testify today. They told me that even though I've only ever voted for Democrats, I'd be perceived as a Republican and therefore hated by half the country. Others told me that by distancing myself from Republicans, I would end up angering the other half of the country. And the sad truth is that they were both right. That's how suspicious we've become of one another. That's how divided we are as a nation. If we were to pay reparations today, we would only divide the country further, making it harder to build the political coalitions required to solve the problems facing black people today. We would insult many black Americans by putting a price on the suffering of their ancestors. And we would turn the relationship between black Americans and white Americans from a coalition into a transaction, from a union between citizens into a lawsuit between plaintiffs and defendants. What we should do is pay reparations to black Americans who actually grew up under Jim Crow and were directly harmed by second-class citizenship, people like my grandparents. But paying reparations to all descendants of slaves is a mistake. Take me, for example. I was born three decades after the end of Jim Crow into a privileged household in the suburbs. I attend an Ivy League school. Yet I'm also descended from slaves who worked on Thomas Jefferson's Monticello plantation. So reparations for slavery would allocate federal resources to me, but not to an American with the wrong ancestry, even if that person is living paycheck to paycheck and working multiple jobs to support a family. 
You might call that justice. I call it justice for the dead at the price of justice for the living. I understand that reparations are about what people are owed, regardless of how well they're doing. I understand that. But the people who are owed for slavery are no longer here, and we're not entitled to collect on their debts. Reparations, by definition, are only given to victims. So the moment you give me reparations, you've made me into a victim without my consent. Not just that, mm. you've made one-third of black Americans who poll against reparations into victims without their consent. And black Americans this guy is too long. This, this, this guy is so solid. Don't agree with him necessarily on everything he says, but so rock solid. So rock solid. Since when does the sin of the father get passed to the sin uh, to the son it it's immoral it's wrong and he's right it will divide us even more you're listening to glenn beck all right uh there's a there's a sale going on right now it's an annual sale the semi-annual sale where you can say 40 percent uh from blinds.com semi-annual sale Blinds change everything in your house. They change everything. If you have, you know, old blinds that need to be replaced, replace them. You can save 40% plus an extra $20 off if you use the promo code BECK when you go to blinds.com. These are all the customer favorites and you get all of the, you get all of the services that has made them the biggest and the best uh windows uh, treatments, shades, shutters, drapes, all of that stuff. They're the biggest online, and they're the best. Why? Because they've been doing it forever, and they knew when they first got into it in the 90s, selling window coverings online, they knew they had to sell samples, send them out for free. They had to make sure that if there was a mistake, 100% guarantee, you know, just return it, and they'll redo it. I mean, they are the best for a reason. It's Blinds.com. Their semi-annual sale now. Promo code back. Blinds.com. Go to mercuryone.org and get your tickets to the museum. It starts just in a couple of weeks here in Dallas. Check out all the details. It's mercuryone.org. According to the FBI, the average loss in burglary is about $2,000 or just above. Now, that can be hard to recover from. Even so, only one in five have home security. And I think it's mainly because the security companies make it so hard to get security. But Simply Safe is different. Their system protects every door, every window, every room with 24-7 professional monitoring. With Simply Safe, there's no contract, no hidden fees, no fine print. It's designed to blend right into your home without wires, without drilling. It's easy. Easy to order. It's easy to set up. You can usually do it in under an hour. And the system has won tons of awards from CNET to the New York Times wire cutter. Around the clock monitoring, $15 a month without a contract. If you go to simplysafe.com slash Glenn, you're going to get a free HD security camera when you order. That's a $100 value. So get your free HD security camera now by going to simplysafe.com slash Glenn. Order today. Simplysafe.com slash Glenn. Simplysafe.com slash Slash Glenn. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Uh, this is just an, another reason why social justice warriors uh, are so out of step with the way Americans think. They just don't think 
like uh, what's 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 in our DNA. What's in our DNA is not reparations. What's in our DNA is doing the right thing. But never, never do we pass the sins of the father onto the son. If my father racks up debt, I, I don't have to pay for it. I didn't rack up that debt unless I signed. Then it's passed on to me. But what my father did is what my father did. And here is yet another example. Moms and dads, is this the, is this the kind of country you want your children to inherit? One to where you make a mistake and they have to pay for it? Not me. It's ridiculous. I, I, I mean, it's so I had nothing to do with it. And I'm having an announcement. Uh, I had nothing to do with slavery. Zero percent. I had of, nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. I had nothing to do with with Jim Crow laws either. No, no, didn't have anything to do with it. So, I mean, I I, I understand why if you are a, a descendant, you could look back at your history and say that was a huge problem. And we all obviously huge. recognize it was a terrible, terrible thing, as you'll be pointing out in the museum uh, this uh, in, in just a couple of weeks. But that does not mean that I get punished for it. I don't get punished for things that I didn't do. That's that's what America is built on that, right? You're supposed to be able to uh, be responsible for your own actions, not actions for people that, by the way, not only I, I, was I not around for, but never, never met, were long dead before uh, I was even born. And I didn't have any, like, my descendants weren't slave owners. Like, only, what was it, about a third of southerners white southerners were slave owners i mean you know it was an expensive thing i would imagine and you know mainly uh relegated to those who were well off and also believed in slavery but about a third so you're talking about two-thirds of white southerners would be uh, being have their descendants taxed for something they didn't even do not to mention and it was a divisive issue, right? There were a lot of people who were white and in the South who thought slavery was horrible, just like every issue today is divided. We had people who were the founders who fought against it. I mean, did the, the descendants of Benjamin Franklin, a, a, an abolitionist, do they pay reparations to someone who uh, may or may not have been a descendant of slaves? There's no way so to manage the system. Let me ask you this. What would be the purpose? And they say it's justice, but it's not. No. It's, social justice is is not justice. It doesn't exist. So they say this is social justice. But really, let's look at the motivation. Let's say let's say right now uh we reversed Roe versus Wade. And a hundred years from now, you would say, Well, I want I want everybody to pay for reparations because my great-great-grandmother was advised by Planned Parenthood that she could get an abortion. And so I want you to pay for those uh, reparations for all of those 50 or 60 million children that have been killed since Roe versus Wade. Now, what would be your intent there? Really, what, what would your intent be? I would imagine that if you were doing it closer to, you know, to the actual event, that you could make the case, well, that was to financially cripple this organization to make sure that they were put out of business. I contend that's the same idea here. It's to, it's to add to an already $22 trillion debt to do something that makes absolutely no sense. There is no justice in this. 
and and wait, we're we're gonna what? We're gonna pay money that we don't have. We will have to borrow it to do what? I I contend this is to do nothing other than to cripple our government, to cripple the United States of America. And I think that's what this is about. And when you really look at how they would do it, there's no constitutional way to tax only white people. Like, I mean, and that's good. There shouldn't be a constitutional way to to tax only one specific race. That's not that's not something you can even do. It's like it's this idea that. You know, and of course, there's no way to actually correctly trace the lineage of every single person to make this right. So they won't they, they'll broaden it. And what they want to do is say, OK, well, we're going to tax white people and give it to black people is where it kind of gets summarized mm-hmm. to. But even that that's blatantly unconstitutional, just like it would be unconstitutional to, t- to tax black people to give it to white people. Because, you know what, there are yeah, plenty when- of times where people who were in- incredible racists would have argued that that was just so. Go go beyond that. What's going? How would this actually play out? Let's just put it in not in this idea of whether it's right or wrong. Put it in the idea of actually designing a policy. There's no constitutional way to do it the way it's being discussed. What it would wind up being is an excuse to take money from people who were supposedly too rich and benefited too much off of this evil system mm-hmm. and give it to people mm-hmm. who are poor who have been hurt by this system. So what you'd wind up doing is having middle-class and upper-middle-class black people playing higher taxes to give it to people who uh, probably uh, underprivileged, quote-unquote, white people who wound up getting the becoming the beneficiary. It would wind up being just a generic argument to redistribute wealth all over again. And what a surprise that one of these topics and one of these big pushes by the left comes back to that fundamental principle once again. It's uh, it's healthcare. Remember, we said the reason why healthcare is being pushed is because it's just redistribution of wealth. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It doesn't. It's not going to affect in in a positive way. It's not going to affect your actual health care. In fact, it's going to make it worse, which it has. It is only redistribution of wealth. And we didn't just make that up. If you remember, who was it uh, from the Center for American Progress, I think, said that you cannot have a health care program. Remember, he was the uh, he was the head of Medi- of Medicare or Medicaid, wasn't he? Yeah. Wasn't it him? Yeah. yeah. And he said, there is no health care unless it is involving redistribution of wealth. Yeah, it must be redistributive. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And here's the, here's the thing. This is more importantly. This is why it's dangerous for us as humans beyond the republic and everything else for us as humans. We look at history and we say it's boring it's old, it's powdered wigs. No, it's not. History is what you did or failed to do yesterday. That's history. Now, you can allow that history to affect the rest of your life. I'm an alcoholic. I'd get up every morning and I'd promise myself I wouldn't drink the day before. You know, and I'd, I'd look and I'd go, I just promised this yesterday and I broke my own promise. I am drinking Okay, today, today, I'm just not going to drink today. And I broke that promise to myself for five years, every single day. I let my history control me. Instead of, instead of forgetting what happened yesterday 
and saying that does not control me or chart my course. What it did was it told me every day, you're a loser. You're pathetic. You can't do it. And I dwelled on that. And I just went over a cliff. And this is why when you hit rock bottom, sometimes it's suicide. Because you've convinced yourself you're worthless. You're not able to do it. That the whole world is against you. Whatever it is. And you lose the, the idea that today is all that matters and I can change. The whole idea of a 12-step program is to change today. Just get through this first five minutes. Don't worry about tomorrow or yesterday. Just get through these next five minutes. Just get through, uh, you know, the next hour. Then the next day, don't think about the future. And what's happening to us, and this is the point of the museum that we're opening up next week, and it's going to be very controversial, especially in this atmosphere, but it shouldn't be. What we're doing is we're showing you the history of the slave trade, not just America. We're showing you that 45% of all the slaves that were transported went to Brazil. Only 4% of those slaves came here. We're showing you that, yes, Mexico stopped slavery before we did. Yeah, but did they really? Because all they really did was say, okay, you can keep your slaves and you have to give them up in 100 years and uh, no slave trade. Well, we were the first to say no, no more slave trade. We were the first in the world to say no more slave trade. We just didn't free the slaves we had. Well, Mexico didn't either. Mexico didn't do it for a 100 years. And I don't hear anybody complaining there. Why is it that they're coming after us? Now, we could dwell on that. But again, what does that do? That just beats us again over and over every single day. When instead, perhaps we should look at today. There is a report out today that China has imprisoned in actual concentration camps three million people. Three million people are in these concentration camps. And just to help Ocasio-Cortez out, here's the difference between a detainment center and a concentration camp. In this case, you leave alive. Eh, you leave with your kidneys. There's a new study out, the China Tribunal, that has shown now that forced organ harvesting is being committed in China on a significant scale. There is no evidence that any of this has been dismantled. It's been going on for a while. And one of the reasons why they know it was going on was because, uh, well, there's not a waiting list. Oh, you need a new kidney? Oh, yeah, we can get one. We got one. Wait, wait a minute, how come there's no waiting list in China for organs? And what they're doing is they're taking these people in these concentration camps, they're giving them thorough uh, inspections and medical testing, and then when somebody needs an organ, they're like, oh, we have this guy, he's this blood type, good. Take him out of uh, cell number 23 and rip his organs out. That's what's happening in China. Now, we can talk about... We can talk about the concentration camp on our border, and it will do nothing but tear us apart. Or we can look at this and say, hey, maybe we should look at China. What can we do as people, as a country? What should we be focused on today?
because I want to really make this clear. History is not history is not old dusty documents. You're making history right now. Future historians will judge all of us. They will say, what did those people do then? We look at why didn't the United States do anything about the concentration camps in Germany? How come the world didn't stand up? Well, what are we doing now? Three million people are in concentration camps in China alone. And we're talking about our border? That doesn't make sense. Unless, unless you are somebody that history will not judge well, and your your concept of right and wrong and justice is upside down. So, Stu, I, I've got to I've got to talk about something that's it's not racist, but I know that's what racists say right before they say something racist. But this isn't racist. But I'm kind of caught in this conundrum, and it's a good thing I don't work for C, uh, for uh, ESPN <laughs> because I have to ask for the audience help on something, mm. and it's very racist, except not at all. That's exactly what racists say. You're right. I know, so I'll, I'll do that next. Um, all right, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Norton Security. Norton, we've we've grown up with Norton. We know that Norton has kept viruses uh, off of our computers. They are really good when it comes to security. Nobody's hacking in. Nobody's putting viruses on onto your computers and 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 onto your devices. Norton has now come out with a VPN. Now, unlike Facebook's VPN, they're not tracking you. That's the point of a VPN. It's kind of like a cryptocurrency, except it's uh, sponsored by Venezuela. (laughs) No, you're missing the point. I don't want a VPN from a company that's tracking me all the time. So Norton does not track, does not make record. They don't snoop. They're not selling. They're nothing. You are the customer. You're not the product. The product is a VPN, a virtual private network. So nobody can track you online and follow your every move. It's creepy what's happening. Norton.com slash VPN. You may not think you need one of these today, but I'm telling you, within a year, you're going to say, geez, I wish I had one. Three thirty-three a month, $3.33 a month is if you sign up for a year, just go to Norton.com slash VPN. That's Norton.com slash VPN. Do it now. ESPN has nothing to do with this job, right, Stu? I mean, we're uh, as far as I know. Why? Unless you're you're okay. planning another merger. Well, because I I need to talk about something because I um I'm I'm restoring an 1880s cabin. Okay, mm-hmm. it was one of the first pioneer cabins in this area. We pulled it out of this the woods, and uh, it's this beautiful cabin, but it's never been redone. And I need somebody to do chinking on it. And I know that sounds racist, but it's not. That's what it's actually called. Chinking. Hmm. It's the white stuff in between the logs. Well, I don't know why, but like everybody is like months out who does chinking up here. And I don't know if there's a big demand for it or something. But if I can't get it done now, I have to wait a year because it can't be done in the winter. So, look, I... 
I'm desperate for anybody who knows how to chink. If you know how to chink and you're in the Idaho area, please, please, I'm begging you, contact me. I can't do anything until it's chinked and you can't. It's not like caulking in a bathroom. <laughs> call me. Just call me. Or you can email me at, uh, at me at glenbeck.com. Call me. Need a chinker. Need a chinker. And that would get me fired for ESPN, but <laughs> luckily I don't work for them. You're listening to Glenn Beck. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. You know, back in the uh, 1850s, slavery was a big problem, but no one in Congress actually wanted to do anything about it. And that's why Charles Sumner stood up and said, you know, the, the South is sleeping with the horror of slavery. This is why the Republican Party was born, because there were Democrats and Republicans that both saw that this was a problem and they wanted to solve it. Sorry, it wasn't uh, Democrats and Republicans. It was Democrats and Whigs. And they realized that, this, that nobody is nobody's serious about solving this problem. And that's what led us into civil war. Well, don't we have that same problem right now? The border is on fire. We're going to get into that uh, a little later on today with some amazing stats that you've never heard on how bad this is. Nobody's paying attention to it. Instead, Congress is talking about reparations. Historically, has this have we been this close to? Is this normal? Or is this leading to some of the worst parts of our past? We're going to talk to one of my favorite historians in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Realestateagentsitrust.com is going to help you sell your house. We are so eager to introduce you to one of the best real estate agents in the country, and they're the best real estate agent in your area. We've got about, uh, I think, 2,000 real estate agents around the country right now, and they're ready to serve you. They have all gone through real serious vetting. They're, they're all experts. They're not, there's nobody who's like just starting out. There's nobody who's doing it part time. These are the experts. These are the people in your area that sell more houses than everybody else. And in some cases, they do more. They sell more houses than every other real estate agent in the area combined. These are the guys you can trust to sell your home on time for the most amount of money and to help you find a new home. So whether you're moving to a new state and you just don't know who to call, whether you are moving and you haven't had a bite or a nibble on your home, and you realize, wow, we're in the middle of summer now, i got to sell this home, realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. Uh, Arthur Herman, who has been one of my favorite historians for quite some time, and I'm going back and I'm reading all of his back catalog, and it's just, it's it's so fantastic. He's such a good storyteller and teaches teaches history in a way I think it needs to be taught. Uh, he is, in my opinion, I don't know if anybody knows who Daniel Borston is, uh, but he was one of my favorite historians. He was the guy who was the uh, head of the Library of Congress, and I loved his Discoverer series. 
Um, and and Arthur is the same kind of guy with the with just uh, just a gift for bringing history to life. Welcome to the program, Arthur. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, I met Daniel Burston uh, when I was a young scholar, right after my first book, The Idea of Decline, uh, in Western History, was published. He invited me to uh, lunch at the Cosmos Club, as a matter of fact, and we met and talked about uh, talked about various kinds of matters, <clears throat> writing history. And in fact, the book, uh, the How the Scots Invented the Modern World was really kind of inspired by that conversation because we were talking about Is Adam it really? Smith. He said, you should really do a book on Adam Smith. And it planted a seed which, you know, two years later, three years later, really became the, the seeds of that, too. Yeah, he was an amazing man. You know, it's really funny, awesome. Arthur, that you would you would say that that was the book that was born out of inspiration because I, I, I felt this way about you with Daniel Borston for a while, um, but I happened to be reading uh, How the Scots Changed the World, uh, right now, I'm, I'm going through your your library, you know, your your back catalog, and mm-hmm. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And it's very, in in some ways, it's very Daniel Borston. It is, and you know, Borston in that lunch explained to me how he wrote those books. Those books have, uh, you know, the discoverers and uh, the others in that series really sprang from his reading of the philosopher Henri Bergson, the French uh, intuitive philosopher, and. Uh, those all come out of the way in which Bergson talks about how we experience the world uh, through our senses, through our intuitions, and through our connections with nature. So there's a, uh, I, I don't have to go, I'm not going to walk, walk your readers through the philosophy of Bergson. You can read about that in Cave and Light. But there was, in other words, that wasn't just sort of book titles like, what am I going to write about next? Uh, that's the kind of intellectual that Borston was. Yeah, he was great. He was great. Um, so I wanted to get you on, and I wanted to talk, we're, we're talking about, reparations now in Congress yes. seriously having this debate. They were tearing each other apart yesterday. People were booing, you know, blacks who were testifying and saying, no, I, I, I think this is wrong, and I'm, I'm a Democrat. And they were being booed. I haven't seen this level uh, of vitriol, and it gets worse every day. You know, last night we had somebody on CNN, a host, compare Donald Trump to Hitler why are we giving this man any platform? Now, this is not a guest. This is a host. We wouldn't right. do that to Hitler. Why are we doing it to him? Uh, you have uh, Ocasio-Cortez comparing what we have happening on our border uh, to a Nazi concentration camp. And people like Chuck Todd are being hammered because he said, that is ridiculous. <laughs> and yeah. are, have we... Can you give me a framework of where you think we are in history? Have we been yeah, here before? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, this is this is a very strange kind of development that you, know, you and I have talked about kind of where the country is right now. I think that it would be good to mention that about four years ago, I wrote a piece uh, that appeared on Fox Opinion called America's Coming Civil War. And it was about what I felt was, and I'm going to use a term that you'll recognize, Glenn, because it comes out of that period just before 1860, that there was an irrepressible conflict that was coming uh, between those for whom the growth of government and of government control uh, versus those for whom government control required extracting uh, resources, including money, but also 
but also uh, our our own cultural identities as a conflict that could be as serious as the one that broke out over slavery. And you were just talking very correctly about how what we saw there was that uh, the, the impossibility of finding any kind of clear middle ground between those two sides. That piece went viral. There was a lot of criticism of it. What are you talking about, America, you know, American Civil War? I wrote a follow-up piece after Barack Obama's inauguration because I sensed that the Obama administration was, uh, and his re-election in 2012 was really a turning point uh, in this discussion and what was going to take place here. So with all of this, now everybody's talking about America's coming Civil War. Everybody is uh, uh, Debating these kinds of uh, these kinds of questions about are we really reaching an existential moment in terms of American identity, and I think what you see uh, on the media and particularly on the social media suggests that uh, I was right that that the Civil War yeah. may not come in terms of actual violence. You know, we're not going to be fight refighting the Battle of Gettysburg, but I think we're moving very quickly into a space where. Uh, we're good. It's going to be harder and harder to find uh, sensible compromise, even on fundamental kinds of issues, which in the past would have been considered, you know, beyond politics. Uh, well, because we're not issues, talking about, but but we're not no, really we're not. talking about those issues. We're we're, no, we're talking not. about reparations. What? How does repar? In on all of the problems that we face. The politicians always pick the ones that are absolutely the most divisive and right. with an exception of, I think, abortion, the least consequential at this point. No, exactly. And this is and reparations is a classic example, because, you know, it, it's, it's never going to become reality. You know that this is simply done by the Democrats as a way to try and increase the African-American vote which they sense disaster looming ahead in the 2020 election. And so the scramble is on. You really believe you, get, you, you actually really believe that, 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 that they're headed for a disaster. I, I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Oh, <laughs> and I think that, that the, and I think that the, the disaster is reflected both in the, the pathetic uh, field of candidates that have come forward here, but also the kinds of issues that, uh, that they're reduced to, um, addressing and putting out there in the hopes that they'll be able to collect votes. You know, of course, what will happen is uh, when Trump is reelected, there'll be all kinds of claims that the election was stolen yet again. Uh, this is also part of the Democrat playing book now is, is that any election that doesn't return a Democrat, and particularly a liberal Democrat, is illegitimate, has been um, manipulated either by vo voter suppression or by uh, collusion with foreign governments or some other kind of underhanded means. This, too, works to undermine people's confidence in our institutions on both sides of the aisle, Glenn. I mean, this is the other point, too, is that the increase, the, the, the hyper-exaggerated rhetoric that we're getting out of the left also convinces those on the right that there is no grounds for compromise. People are out of control. And that if if they were somehow to gain power, that we would be staring a, a proto-totalitarian state in the face, the equivalent of, you know, Mao's culture revolution is on the way. And whether that's true or not, the, the degree to which ex the, the excessive rhetoric on the part of the left uh, requires a, a, a equally re re 
exaggerated response from many of the voices on the right is all pointing us towards the idea that this is a, we're in, we're in dangerous, dangerous territory. Arthur, I want to I want to ask you um, a couple more questions uh, as a as a historian um, to be able to. And I know this is almost impossible to take yourself out of today and try to put yourself in the future and look at what's what's happening uh, to us right now. And and uh, what the what the you know, there's always these these turning points. There's always these these road marks where, you know, you it's the easiest place to find is in the Bible because they've summarized civilizations into, you know, a chapter. And so you'll see this this rise and fall of a civilization and then the next rise and you're like, OK, well, they're going to get it right this time. And then they. You know, they they fall again and you're like, didn't you? All you had to do is read the last chapter. Um, And I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the things that you see uh, that are road markers. If if you do. And I and I also want to talk to you a little bit about socialism and this this growing state of technology and the silencing of voices. Have we been here before? Uh, and and what does it mean, and what should we preserve? Back in a second with Arthur Herman. He is a tremendous, tremendous author, and I think the, the he's he's my favorite historian, uh, and I can't believe he listens to this show because I'm a little embarrassed, uh, you know, to have somebody somebody as good as history at history as he is listening to me blab on about it. But uh, we'll be back in just a second. One minute, we're back. All right. How's your pain level? You know, everybody is in pain at some some form or another. I heard uh, Keith Malinak, who's one of our producers, uh, he was talking this morning that he's got a bum leg. And I don't know. You, what, how old is Keith? About 30? 51. Yeah, I know. He's, he seems 80 mm-hmm. you know, or 50. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think he's in his 30s. Anyway, um, he hurt his leg years ago uh, doing something stupid and uh, probably fun, but stupid. And uh, and he has to take relief factor. He doesn't take it every day. He just knows when it starts to hurt. He's like, oh, geez, I forgot. I haven't been taking my relief factor. Relief factor stops inflammation and it really does make a difference. Um, it, it's it's um, inflammation is not only pain, but inflammation leads to all kinds of other problems in our body, including cancer. Now, I'm not saying that this is a cure for cancer or, you know, going to stop that. I'm just saying inflammation is the root of so many of our problems. Pain is just one of them. So relief factor reduces that inflammation and it gives you your life back. It has me call 800-583-84, 800-583-84. It's relieffactor.com. 10 seconds, station ID. So um, we're with Arthur Herman, and and, uh, I just read a new study, and I'm going to go through this hopefully today. Um, The overwhelming ratio of adults... Uh, 12 to 1 say they prefer a nation with individual ownership of private property and where all the property is owned and where none of the property is owned by the government. That is 82 to 7. 
Six to one ratio. Americans want a government that takes its direction from the people rather than live in a nation where the population takes its direction from the government. That's a, that's a margin of 76 to 12. Um, economically, six Americans who want a country featuring the prices of goods based on the free market for every one who prefers the price of goods determined by the government. That's 75 to 12. And yet overwhelmingly, people say they support socialism. This is a problem with history we nobody is educated nobody is really understands history nobody even knows what socialism is or capitalism the study found out that most people don't even know what capitalism is so arthur have we been this close to this where people are coming out and saying who are in power i want to destroy the free market system and if they win, I think they will. Have we been here before? Well, I don't know if we've been in this country here before. Uh, but if you look at uh, the experience in Europe uh, between the world wars, and I'm not really so much thinking about Nazi Germany because that's such a cliche, and the differences are really profound. I think a better model for thinking about where we are and where we could go if, we, if we're not really careful and begin to take some, take some serious steps uh, backwards to rethink the way in which political debates have shaped up is France. You know, France, like the United States, you know, emerged from World War I as a uh, victorious power. It seemed that to, to the rest of the world that it was Europe's, uh, you know, superpower on the continent of Europe, just as Britain was uh, still uh, a major superpower in a global sense. Uh, and yet, within with the 1920s and 1930s, the French squandered everything that they had achieved uh, in fighting that war, and they became so politically divided uh, over the, mm-hmm. between Marxism and the extreme right and a political establishment which was uh, too corrupt and unable to address, address uh, the most significant issues confronting France and Europe during those years that when, in 1940, the German invasion came, uh, both the left and the right were so determined to see the other side lose so they could say, I told you so, I said that you guys mm. were, were leading us to a disaster, that they refused to unite. And so France collapsed. Wow. And their entire system of government. Does this sound familiar at all, Glenn? Do yeah. I, am I yeah, talking about a situation which bears amazing resemblance to uh, to where we are uh, today in many respects. You could you, now, could you could see that happening with China. You could see that really happening with Russia. Uh, I mean, you know, our, we could have the the just the border. You could lose the country, and there would be a lot of people that would would want to be right so bad that it would allow it to happen. Sure. And, you know, and and, and the French Chamber of Deputies at a time in which the Nazi war machine is gearing up when the Spanish Civil War is threatening to embroil the world in an ideological conflict. uh, The big debate in the Chamber of Deputies was how many days of vacation should French workers get? I mean, talk about talk about the irrelevancy of an issue like reparations. And and fortunately, you know, there was a man. His name is Charles de Gaulle. And he came, he, he was able to be the man of the hour who alone, when everybody else in France had basically given up with uh, the, 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 the armistice 
basically handing France's fortunes over to over to Hitler, uh, he was the one who said, no, Fran- uh, France is going to continue to fight. Even if I have to do it entirely uh, alone, uh, I will do so. And what he managed to do was to save what was left of France's honor in World War II and to really take upon himself the, mi- the mission of saving his country from the disgrace and the humiliation and the collapse that had gone through in the last two decades. And we always talk about Winston Churchill, and you know, I've written about Churchill, I'm a great admirer of his. De Gaulle, I think, is a figure who we might want to think about looking at more closely. I wrote my first college paper on him in 1971, and I've always been fascinated by De Gaulle. He got a bad press because, you know, he pulled France out of NATO and uh, chased out American bases in France uh, during the 1960s, during the Cold War. But he was a man who looked at his country, saw the state of intellectual and moral rot that had set in, and said, you know what, there's more to France than this, and there's more to my country, and I have a, a patriotism to which I will sacrifice my career, to which I will sacrifice all of my resources, even if I have to do it alone. And it became a symbol of strength that, mm. you know, that really made him a revered figure, a, a, a savior, and, and really pulled France out of the abyss that it was in, thanks to, thanks so, to the Vichy episode. Arthur, I, I know I've only asked you for a half hour of your time this morning. Would you be willing to give me another 15 minutes? Because I still have more things I want to talk to you about. Can you hold over? Glenn, I'm here. Glenn, I'm here. Delighted. Okay, great. Hang on. Great. Uh, more with Arthur Herman, uh, one of my favorite historians. And we'll get into reparations and uh, a little bit more of socialism when we come back. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, X-Chair. X-Chair is just a fantastic chair. I'm going to be back in the studios uh, next week, and I cannot wait for my X-Chair. <laughs> I am, uh, it's, you know, there's something to say for a good office chair. Whether you're at home or whether you're uh, at work, a great office chair is really, really uh, money well spent. Now, here's the thing with X-Chair. It has 10 different adjustments they they call it their lumbar support is the dynamic variable lumbar support dvl and it gets your back into the exact right perfect level of support and again 10 different adjustments it's a hundred dollars off right now if you go to xchairback.com and they give you 30 days if you don't like it just ship it back it's not a problem it, chair is very personal. It's like a bed. You got to try it out for yourself. But I'm telling you, everybody who sits in these chairs is like, oh my gosh, this is the best chair I've ever sat in. Right now, X Chair. Go to xchairbeck.com. That's xchairbeck.com. Use the uh, promo code X Wheels. You're going to get a free set of the new X Wheels for the bottom of your chair. Try it out now. $100 off. xchairbeck.com. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Sign up for Blaze TV. Get all the conservative personalities and opinion that you love. Use the promo code Glenn for 10 bucks off. If there were two things, uh, if there were two things that I could fix tomorrow that I think would, would help the country survive, there's a lot of choices. There's a lot of choices. But two of the easiest uh, really uh, is the border and the debt 
Now, we've got a lot of other problems. Abortion is actually number one on my list. But, I mean, if if we're going to be serious about saving our nation, we have to get the debt under control. We have to get borders under control. Nobody is talking about that. In fact, yesterday they had a hearing that went pretty awry um, in the House on reparations. Now, we're a society that doesn't believe in the sins of the father being paid for by the son. But that's not even this. This is the sins of the possible great-great-great-grandfather being paid for by the great-great-grandson who whose great-great-grandfather may not have even been here at the time. Is there any example in history of this being done before? Uh, we uh, welcome back to the program Arthur Herman, one of my favorite uh, uh, authors and the author of Freedom's Forge, which is a must-read, must-read uh, for everybody. Arthur, I, I think one of the biggest mistakes we made as a country was was not doing the 40 acres and a mule. You know, we had the land back then. We could have done it. We still have the land, uh, but we could have done it. it. It probably was the right thing to do, perhaps. Um, and, you know, we just broke so many promises. However, that was 150 years ago, uh, 170 years ago now. This idea of reparations and the the great-great-grandson paying for the crimes of a possible great-great-grandfather, has that ever been done before? Well, um, yeah, it has. Um, it's how the Marxist mind, and I might also add the National Socialist mind, works. And that is, is that the world uh, in which you live is based upon an injustice uh, and foisted upon you by great impersonal historical forces which require the overthrow of the entire system whether you're talking about the overthrow of capitalism or in the case of the nazis the overthrow of the world jewish conspiracy so that's the kind of mindset that we're fighting against glenn is one that sees human beings not as free individuals not as beings gifted with a soul with a uh, with with the independent will uh, to make our future and to make our destiny as we see fit or as we desire, but instead as pawns of these vast historical forces, white supremacy, patriarchy, uh, homophobia, Islamophobia, you name it, uh, and that in those circumstances it becomes then uh, uh, irrelevant whether in fact. Uh, for example, African Americans living in this country have a longer lifespan than uh, Africans who are living in 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 their own in, in their own continent. Uh, it, that the stories of people like an Oprah Winfrey, uh, stories of people like Clarence Thomas, uh, are meaningless because things are posed in terms of these huge, ultimately meaningless abstractions. You know the the issue you just put your finger on reparations. And the issue you just mentioned, immigration, are in fact intimately connected because they are both based upon an historical lie, which is is that America is ultimately an evil place built by white supremacists, uh, built by uh, 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 Christian uh, 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 fundamentalists, 
uh, believers in the enslavement of the rest of the world, patriarchalists, all those kinds of cliches. And therefore, why would you defend a country, right? Why would you want to protect the borders of a country which was born in sin? Why would you want to uh, uh, not uh, repay those that have suffered uh, as a result of that uh, of of that original sin, uh, in the sense of uh, you know those who who may or may not be descendants of slaves. And by the way, that is going to be a really hard issue to sort out. You understand that, mm-hmm. right? That's going to yeah, be yeah, yeah. an insuperable question. And then you know, I look at my own experience, right? You mentioned great great grandfathers. Mm-hmm. Well, my great great grandfather fought in the Union Army. He was wounded at the Battle of Stones River, fighting against slavery, fighting against the Confederacy. So where do I fit in terms of uh, who's going to be responsible for, for reparations uh, and who, is, who ultimately needs to be called into account for, uh, for what happened and what, what was part of an, in, an indissoluble part of the 13 colonies that became an independent nation? Um, and that was an issue that every great statesman up until 1860, wrestled with and tried to find a solution to, and that, that haunted American politics for all those years uh, since, and that ultimately required the shedding of blood of more than 600,000 Americans before, before it was finally sorted out. Look, you and I know we bungled the Reconstruction period immediately after the Horribly. Civil War. There were... Uh, the answers were there, and you just mentioned one of them, the 40 acres and the mule. The, the ways mm-hmm. in which to go forward, those options were there. Uh, if we really were a, a irredeemably evil society, those options, we wouldn't have chosen, you know, the past that we did. It would have been inevitable. It would have been locked in, but we didn't. Uh, mistakes uh, were, 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 were made by uh, in those two decades that followed the Civil War, but the reasons why those mistakes were made, and there are uh, no, there's no way you can look at the historical record since and not see the history of the United States uh, as one that has promoted all of the most important human values and the most important foundations of human freedom any society any society in the world. And that includes the civil rights movement, which, as you know, goes back much further than Martin Luther King, uh, that King oh, was yeah. the culmination of, of, of work, of a, of a tidal move in consciousness in this country uh, that had been set in motion uh, before, before he arrived on the scene and that he was able to, that he was able to, to, bring, to bring to fruition. The, 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 the so, story of America, of, of race in America, is one that could be written in a very different way from the way in which the organizers of this reparations campaign have written it. And it would yeah. be much truer to the historical reality than their distortions yes. and caricatures. All right, Arthur, I've only got a couple more minutes with you, and I, I got to ask you this. Um, I, I'm concerned, very concerned, and so is everyone in my industry about the silencing of voices and how we how fast we can be deplatformed and entirely erased. And that leads me to look at things, you know, like uh, like Huckleberry Finn and Mark Twain being removed from shelves of libraries and not not taught anymore. Um, if 
if we would enter this dystopian world that China is already in, or if we were hit by an EMP, uh, God forbid we had some some sort of war with Russia and we're trying to knock each other out uh, electronically, uh, all this knowledge could be lost. What if you had to save things and beyond the Bible and and the founding documents, what what books would you say every library should have every person should read every every school kid should read we got to have these books if we're going to tell the true story of america uh and if we would ever want to reset it and put it right wow that is a really great question and we're gonna have to have another hour glenn in order to start through all i know that. you know that you know that i know but i'll I tell know. you what i was thinking about this uh, and and it's one that it's an exercise that I've conducted myself several times. But since we only have a few minutes here, what if we just limited ourselves to to basically five books written by American presidents uh, as a way in which to do this? Which I think, many ways, encapsulate so much of the American experience that that they really ought to be part of. And understanding where we are and how we've gotten to where we are. That I think okay. that that everybody should should really read and should be in every library. The first one, the first one that came to my mind was the speeches and addresses of Abraham Lincoln. You know, yes. enough said, right? You and I share share yeah. uh, yeah. admiration and fascination for those, but for for more than just the ones associated with Civil War, for a man who had a really deep understanding of American history, a deep understanding of of Western history, including including our our Judeo-Christian roots. It's an amazing, amazing piece of amazing piece of work. Then the other one that I would do is, and this is going to shock you, and this is going to surprise you, Glenn, is the speeches of Franklin Roosevelt. You know, everybody discovered with astonishment, right? His 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 prayer before D-Day, um, yeah. just this last anniversary. But in fact, all yeah. of his speeches, whatever you say about you know Franklin Roosevelt, he made some huge mistakes. And in policy during the New Deal, uh, he, he certainly had some some false assumptions about how the world worked and his ability to to create a post-war world in conjunction with the Soviet Union. But you know what? For as American presidents go, he his speeches reflect an understanding of who we are, of of yes. what our aspirations need to be that in ways that. Uh, made them household, you know, everybody understood yes. them, everybody grasped them. What? So I would definitely put that on the list. I would also read then uh, Dwight Eisenhower's Crusade in Europe, which is really mm-hmm. understanding how that man was able to put together and hold together a multinational um, uh, effort to, to, to free Nazi Germany and why we did it. It's an amazing book. I would also include Ronald Reagan's Diaries. Because those show a mind at work in the White House, understanding how it is that we are going to be able to deal with and and ultimately emerge victorious against Soviet communism, which everybody else assumed we would have to we'd be lucky if we could find a way to engage in peaceful coexistence. It exposes a side of Ronald Reagan that not only enhances our understanding of his importance as an American president, but also we we see the way in which America in the in the Cold War era, this mind coming to grasp with what's taking place and, and understanding where it fits in terms of where America needs to be. Then the last one I'll recommend, Glenn, John F. Kennedy's Profiles and Courage. 
I think it's a yeah. wonderful book. And, you know, there's a lot of scandal about who really wrote that book uh, and so on, and about his father's I don't uh, really care. lobbying, so it would yeah. get the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. But the biographies, mm-hmm. first of all, the biographies of the men in the U.S. Senate who grappled with the issue of slavery. It's very well laid out in that book. Uh, he has a wonderful chapter on Robert Taft, uh, the Republican Center from Ohio that we've talked about before, which is considering it is written for you know a person from the opposite political party is amazing. Um, he has a discussion there about uh, about George Norris, who took a strong stand against the Wilsonian kind of view of the world uh, and of America's involvement in World War One. Uh, it's a lot of it, it's a very readable. I read it first as a as a school kid, uh, but it's one which I think. Its value grows uh, as the as the decades pass as a way to understand who we are and all of the really amazing things that we have accomplished as a society, as a nation, and of the people who have made it possible for us to to be to be that uh, be that beacon in the world that that we still are. Glenn, it's still it's still there, however much people try to try to try to extinguish the flame. Arthur, I love talking to you. I, I mean, I, you should just come in and we should just do a whole show together because I still have a, about two hours left of stuff I want to ask you. Thank you so much for your time, and we'll have you back again. Uh, Arthur Herman, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Arthur L. Herman. Uh, his uh, book that is a great entry for him is uh, Freedom's Forge, which talks about how we won World War II. It is an amazing story, and you'll all the way through it think, gosh, I wonder if corporations would do that now. I wonder if we are those same people now. Arthur Herman is his name. Any of his books, any of them, are tremendous. Uh, you can also find him at Hudson.org. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. After I tell you about Simply Safe, Simply Safe, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they did a survey recently, uh, and they didn't do it, but there was a survey conducted of people who had just broken into homes and uh, they were under arrest. And they said, Why did you do it? Why did you do it? And they said, Well, because we have a right to stuff in people's houses. Now, that's crazy enough. But what they said was, if if we went to a house that was protected, we didn't go there. We'd go to the next house. But if it wasn't protected, if they didn't have the you know alarm system or didn't have it on, we figured it was our right to go in and take it because they didn't care so much. That's how crazy things are. You need a great alarm system, and the best in the industry and it's not just me saying this, they've won, won all kinds of awards, is Simply Safe. SimplySafeBeck.com. No contracts, no wires, no strings, no hassles. You own it, and $14.95 a month for the uh, online monitoring. You can't beat it. And you get a free HD camera when you order today. Free. It's SimplySafeBeck.com. SimplySafeBeck.com. Hey, by the way, uh, we have been banned from posting uh, some of my art uh, on eBay and selling it, and they've given us every kind of reason for it. Now, it is a picture of Hitler. Um, it's a painting of Hitler, but it's a distorted painting of Hitler. It, it is uh, based on anti-Hitler propaganda from the 1930s, uh, and uh, he's reading a, a report that 50 million have been killed uh, through abortion, and it says, next time, I guess I'd just call it Planned Parenthood. 
I think it's up to about $4,500. Uh, and Stu, do you have the address where you can bid on it? Or you can just go to glenbeck.com and we'll lead you to that. Uh, but every single penny goes to uh, pro-life organizations. Every penny. Let's stick together. Uh, and if you can, I don't know where you're going to hang it, but bid on it now. You're listening to Glenn Beck. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. Guy up in New Jersey uh, has just been uh, charged with rape and murder of a New Jersey jogger. There's a little more to this story. He has already been deported twice. Twice he was deported, and yet he was back here to commit more crime. When you actually see what is going on in our country... You'll be mad at both sides. Both the Democrats and the Republicans can fix this in Congress right now. Neither side has a desire, apparently, to fix it. So where are our local officials? We are going to talk to a mayor in Texas who his story of what's happening to his town is hair-raising. And we go there in one minute. This is the Glenbeck Program. So a little history lesson. Back in 1985, a group of progressives in San Francisco, they created a phone company with the goal of donating a portion of their process uh, profits to promote left wing causes. Well, that company has grown and evolved into a big cell phone company now called Credo Mobile, and they are affecting elections in this country. In 2014, they created a super PAC that tried to flip five Republican held seats in 2015, Planned Parenthood's largest corporate donor. Today, $80 million for progressive causes has come from this idea that started in 1985. So in 2013, a bunch of uh, vets and retired vets uh, and business people got together and said, why aren't we doing this for our side? Why aren't we, why aren't we giving a better service, a better phone uh, company, that doesn't give to Planned Parenthood, because if you're on Sprint or AT&T, any of these, they are giving to causes that you do not support. I guarantee it. Can we come up with a cell company that is as good of service, if not better, cheaper so people save money, is easy to switch to, and will further the goals that they have as individuals? Are you kidding me? I can save money, get the same service, and help the causes I care in? Why are we not all on PatriotMobile.com? I'll tell you the reason why, because you think it's a hassle. It's not going to be a hassle. They're making it hassle-free right now and a free month of service at PatriotMobile.com. You can save a buttload of money, and you're doing something that you believe in, helping those causes that you believe in. Use the promo code BECK right now. Go to PatriotMobile.com. That's PatriotMobile.com. Let me give you some let me give you some uh illegal immigration stats, okay? Now these are just between 2011 
and 2016. Between 2011 and 2016, there have been more than 500,000 criminal offenses, 996 homicides done by illegals, 996 homicides, 59,200 assaults, 14,000 burglaries, 58,000 drug charges, 605 kidnappings, 36,000 thefts, 39,000 obstructing police, 3,000 robberies, 5,000 rapes, 7,000 uh, 7, weapons charges. That's just between the, the years 2011 and 2016 in Texas alone. What are we doing? The flood of illegals into Texas is going to kill Texas. It's going to. It is strangling these small cities, especially these little teeny cities, on the border. They're not getting any help from the federal government, and people are coming hundreds a day. And what are they supposed to do about it? Don McLaughlin, I've been trying to talk to him for about a week. He's been up in Washington testifying. He is he's really uh, a little outspoken on this. And when you hear his story of his town, what's happening in his town, uh, you'll see you'll see why he's outspoken. Welcome to the program, uh, Mayor McLaughlin. How are you? He dropped. Are we going to get him back on? Uh, it, I heard him. Uh, I heard him speak in front of uh, Congress. And uh, when you hear somebody who is actually living this and you hear him talk about, I mean, all the a lot of the people in his town are Hispanic and they don't they don't want this either. You know, this is not a race thing. This isn't a phobia. This is a real problem. Mayor, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? Good. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. How are you today? Very good. I I heard you. uh I heard you speak. Uh, I think it was to uh, Horowitz on the on the, the blaze, and uh, your story is amazing. Can you tell me what's happening in your town? Sure. What what uh, was well, as we've been saying, the border patrol is, is just inundated with these family units that, that are crossing the border, and the misconception that that is out there is that everybody thinks this is strictly just South Americans that are from Mexico and Guatemala and Honduras and El Salvador. Well, it's 29 different countries are crossing the the southern border, not just not just from there. And they're coming from all over. And it's just they're coming in family units, and it's un, the Border Patrol is just slammed. And these family units, so... As they're getting slammed, they're having to come out and start releasing these family units because they have no place to put them. They they're they're at capacity at all their holding facilities, and so they came to us in in May and told us, "Oh, we're going to start releasing uh, uh, immigrant families in your community. Uh, we're going to release them up here at the Stripes Convenience Store or at your HEB or your Walmart." And we said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! We you know." No, we're not. We're not set up to to handle that. You know, it's not that we don't want to help them. We're just, you know, we're a town of seventeen thousand people. We're just not, you know, we're just not set up to handle that. And so, how many a day? How many a day were they talking, and how many a day are actually coming? Well, when they first started, we were talking about getting ten to twenty. Then it went to twenty to forty. Uh, then we ended up uh, up to date. We've got a hundred and hundred and twenty-two. 
we haven't got any in the last week only because of, only because the facility that we have here in Uvalde is used for unaccompanied minors and right now they are at capacity so many unaccompanied minors have come in the last week that they are full they cannot process any family units here in Uvalde now because so many unaccompanied minors have come across in the last week now i've but, i've heard you I heard you talk about how um, there's one family who won't the kids won't go swimming unless dad is in the in the back by the pool with a shotgun because things are so crazy. Well, what's happening? What's happening? The border patrol that usually you know is is watching for the you know whether the the coyotes that are bringing the immigrants through or where this particular landowner is out by the train by the train tracks his property is and these immigrants get on these trains coming out of out of uh del rio or eagle pass or even Laredo. it's a it's a main east and west uh railroad that comes through here and so they get on this train and so the border patrol has a uh facility here where they stop the train and check it for immigrants well usually they have a pretty large contingency of border patrol when they stop that train and check it well they're so spread out and spread so thin now with these family units that they're all doing that that when they stop it there may be anywhere from 30 to 40 people on that train and you got three border patrol agents trying to to capture Mm. all these immigrants and they don't have the manpower uh since then since this last incident we're we're trying to fill in with with our police department and the sheriff's department when when they ask for it but what's happening they're they're jumping off this train and running and this particular landowner is is starting to it's been going on at his property he said for the last 60 days but it just keeps getting worse and worse and about a week ago he had one that jumped off or a group that jumped off and came to his property and one particular individual got real aggressive uh with him uh threatening and uh real aggressive and he did everything he could to try to catch him and and get him they uh brought a helicopter out and tried to find him and didn't didn't find mm. him but the man threatened him and told him he was going to come back and get him and different things and he said he and his wife you know didn't sleep a wink that night because the guy told him he was coming back that night to get him and we didn't catch him in town either, uh, and we looked. But, you know, and that's when he said it. That's and when I was talking to him. He said, you know, it's gotten so bad that my grandkids won't even come out to the house and go swimming unless I sit out in the backyard with a shotgun because we never know when they're going to show crazy. up. That's crazy. It is. And, and, and you're, you're, a town of, you're a town of 17,000, so you're not a town that, you know, has Starsky and Hutch kind of car chases ever, right? No, we – in, in – in the last 25 years, we've had maybe two car chases. In the last two weeks, we've had five. Uh, two of them have bailed out in town, where we've had to lock, put our schools on lockdown. Uh, the first one, there were eight individuals. Uh, so they jumped out in the middle of town right by our schools. So we had to lock all our schools down. We spent most of the day. We caught those eight individuals. The other day, we had four they jumped out of a car. The la- the lady that was that was transporting them claimed that one of them had a gun, and uh, that's why she was transporting them. The border patrol says that they don't think that was probably true, but we didn't know. But we didn't catch those four. But again, we had to put another school on lockdown because it was in close proximity to where they jumped out. And we're seeing so, this more and more. So, so um, we're talking to Mayor Don McLaughlin. Um, uh, 
border town here in Texas that is, and this story is not unique. It's happening uh, where the people of the town are paying a price. And Don, I've talked about the Bubba effect for a very long time that the government just stops doing what it's supposed to do. And the people of the town, you know, become really angry and start to take things in their own hands because the government is not doing it. And I'm not saying that you're there or anything else. And God forbid we ever get there. But what is the attitude towards the federal government from your citizens? Well, both Republican are, and Democrat. Well, they're fed up with both sides because, like I said, like I said before, this isn't a Republican problem or a Democrat problem. It's an American problem. Wow. It's an American people yeah. problem. I mean, it's both sides, and both sides are. And, and people in my community are fed up. They they're they're frustrated with 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 us as local government because we're having to use city funds and county funds when they drop these immigrant families off here in Uvalde. We're having to take them, and we're having to pay for a bus to take them to San Antonio because we don't have the facilities to do it. So we're spending. And we're San Antonio, yeah, right. And San Antonio doesn't have the the funding either. And San Antonio's dealing now, as you said, these people are not coming from Guatemala. They're dealing with people coming from the Congo, which is the Ebola hotspot and a place where ISIS has been recruiting lately. I mean, we don't know who's coming in and bringing what into our communities, and they're being dumped. Well, I asked our federal. I asked. Our, I sent all our elected officials an email when this first started the other day. When in Del Rio, Texas, the first wave, a hundred and fifteen uh, immigrants from the Congo showed up in Del Rio, Texas. I mean, if you look on the map and see where the Congo is. And then you look on the map and see where Del Rio, Texas is. How did 115 Congolese get to Del Rio, Texas? Then two days right. later, they got another, another 350 from Congolese. Right. And they also don't speak a word of English or Spanish. How did they get here? How did they get here? And nobody can tell us that answer. And we, like I said, up until... Up until the last day or so, we have seen nothing from the federal government as far as any answers, any help. We've asked for help to get reimbursed. We've asked what we're going to do. And until yesterday is the first time that we've seen any anything that there's been a bill to, to reimburse communities for the expenses that are out. I mean, Del Rio, Texas, which is, which is 60 miles from us, they're getting inundated. I mean, they're getting 140 to 160 people released in their community every day. And before they got a coalition going, they were just taking them and dropping them off at the local stripes. And it's not the Border Patrol's fault because they're being told by their by their by Washington, this is what you're going to do. I mean, our local Border Patrol in this area, they work with our communities. I mean, they're they're good people and they no, work hard. Guys. I mean, yeah. uh, but they're, they're just so they're strapped. Uh, I've only got about a minute left. Are is. Is the governor's office is is Texas doing anything? Are they doing enough? Where are where's where's our leadership from Texas? Well, you know, again, we're just starting to hear rumblings that 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 the governor is going to deploy more DPS troopers, and that we haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen anything to that effect. I was told that last night. I haven't seen any anything in writing of that. But you know, like I said, we we have we have. 
written letters, called to all our elected officials, and we're just not getting responses. We're just not getting. That is amazing. It's like it's falling on deaf ears. That's amazing to me. Uh, Don, thank you so much, um, and uh, my best to your community. And please stay in touch with us. If there's any way we can help or if you need to bring shine a light onto something, please let us know, uh, and we'll be there for you. Thank I do you. appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Mayor Don McLaughlin from Uvalde, Texas. Um, I want to give you some I want to give you some other stats here uh, to show you if we lose Texas politically. It's over. OK, there's it's over uh, since 2000. And this is only up to 2011. OK, so we're not counting any of the Obama surge or this surge. Since the, uh, since the year 2000, the immigrant population has grown by 43%. That's legal and illegal in Texas. The national immigration population has grown by 28% during the same time frame. The immigrant population stood at 4.1 uh, 4. million, an increase of 1.5 million in a decade, 28% live in poverty, 41% lack health insurance, 45% use at least one welfare program, primarily food assistance and Medicaid, and 46% of these immigrants never completed high school. That was the previous decade, not the one we're in. We're losing everything if we don't grab a hold of our borders and do it now. I would like to wake those in Washington. Research suggests that most businesses take up to 197 days to notice a breach of their servers and of their data. Um, this is a, the, uh, the average finance firm is a little better. It's only just over three months before they notice it. So all of your information can be out there for a minimum of three months Sometimes almost, you know, three quarters of a year and nobody's doing anything about it. Well, that's why you have LifeLock. They'll detect if your information is being used. and They'll send you an alert and then you answer back and say, no, that's not me. I'm not doing that. And they'll say, all right, great. If there is a problem, they have a U.S. based restoration specialist that's going to work to fix it. Now, that is where the rubber meets the road. They're not just like, hey, dude, you're screwed. They actually help you fix it. It's LifeLock.com. LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BECK. Protect yourself now. LifeLock.com. Save 10% off your first year by using the promo code BECK. 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. We pause for 10 seconds. Station ID. You know what's amazing to me is you look at Texas and then you look at California. California, Los Angeles, their homeless problem, and they have no idea what's causing it. Their homeless problem in Los Angeles is now um, entering third world status. Third world. Now, why is that? California. Why is this happening to you? And it has nothing to do with Hispanics. It has everything to do with your policies. 
if you look, you compare the state of New York and the state of Texas. I don't know of race problems in Texas. Okay, I mean, there's always racists, you know, everywhere, blah, blah, blah. But we don't we're not having race riots or, or anything else like that. I don't hear any Texans complaining about Hispanics. I don't hear it. Now, I'm sure there are, but I don't hear it. You look at our immigration, uh, our, our immigrant population, mainly Hispanic, grew 43 percent in the last decade. I know it's higher than that now. It has to be. Let's compare this with the state of New York. Immigrant population only increased in New York 11% compared to Texas at 43%. But we don't have a problem with it. 22% live in poverty. 22% live in poverty in New York. 22% lack health care, 41% are on major welfare programs, and only 20% completed high school. 46% in Texas didn't complete high school. Now, why is this? Why can Texas handle this and not become New York, uh, not become California? Because some of the policies that we have actually work. We have we have a ban against sanctuary cities. But then again, our federal government is dumping illegals into our cities. Isn't that a, a violation of our sanctuary cities? I think so. Where is Ted Cruz? Where is Cornyn? And my favorite governor I've ever had in a state, Greg Abbott, where are you? You're listening to Glenn all right uh car shield is the greatest the greatest car shield if you have a car that has 5,000 150,000 miles on it you do not have to pay for high repair bills something goes wrong and it's a covered expense with car shield i mean they they will uh send the rental car uh, so you have a rental car while yours is in the shop. They'll send somebody out for roadside assistance. Uh, and then the best thing is they pay for all of the service. You don't even get the bill. They, you're not waiting for the check. They pay them directly. And they've already paid like, I don't know, $2 billion worth of repair bills uh, for Americans that are covered under CarShield. I'm telling you, it is a blessing to have CarShield. You never have to worry about it. When you get your car in and it says check engine, I know what it feels like to look at that light and go, oh, no, 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 no. Nobody has $500 to repair a car. Just spur of the moment. Yeah, I got 500 to flush down the toilet. What happens when it's a sensor that costs you 1000 bucks? Make sure you're covered. CarShield.com or call 800-CAR-6000. CarShield.com. Save 10%. Promo code back. June 29th to July 7th, the Mercury Studios is the big museum. Go to MercuryOne.org. MercuryOne.org. So, Stu, I think I have a billion-dollar idea. Really? But you are the food, you're the food guy. Mm-hmm. So just hear me out. So earlier today I talked to you about, and this I know this this sounds racist, but it's not racist, but that's what a racist says before they say something racist. So I'm in this I'm in this feedback loop I can't get out of. Mm-hmm. I am having a hard time finding somebody to chink this old log cabin. We we have an old log cabin from 1880. Uh, and nothing's ever been done to it, and so we're re- redoing it, and I can't, 
I can't do any more until it's rechinked, which is the white stuff in between uh, the logs. And so if you happen to be a chinker in, you know, somebody that does this, boy, could I use your help right now? Uh, you can just call me, call me. Anyway, so the, um, it's the when you say the white stuff, like uh, think of a log cabin, yeah, and you know the logs, and then the space between the logs, the stuff that fills is usually in that white, mm-hmm. right? That's chinking, okay. And you can't just do it. I mean, it's a real art to do it. And when you do a log cabin and you do it right, and the chinking is right, it is. It holds the heat. It holds the cold. Uh, I mean, it's. It's really an amazing thing, but it's a it's you know a lost art, and apparently uh, there's like two people in my area that do it, and they're like, yeah, we're six months out, which you can't do it in six months because you can't do it in the cold, uh, and so it's just a so I'm like a year away from being able to do something if I can't get somebody to rechink it. So I I, I don't I don't know how you find people that do chinking that are good. I I have no idea, but I had another idea and Mm -hmm. here's the food. Here's the food thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. What would you say to a log cabin made entirely out of bacon or sausage and it's held together with maple syrup? (laughs) So you're now I could live in this. I could live mm -hmm. in this until I ate one of the walls. Right. So half an hour you could live in it. And then, right. yes, and then it would be. Kind I may of, not ever finish it. Right. If I had to build it, I would never finish it. It would always. It'd be like one of those cathedrals that are like, you know, they've been building it for four hundred years. Except mine would be only about, you know, six hundred <laughs> square feet. <laughs> uh, it feels like because when you were describing this process, what immediately yeah. came to mind was it, once a year I'm sitting around trying to build a gingerbread house, and you're putting icing. In between That's the exactly wall. what it is. Right. You're trying to get it to all stick together. So, so I took all the chinking out on the inside. And once I got it all the way out on four walls, you know, I should have read. I should have read, should have studied up on this. The entire cabin started to move. And so we can't take the chinking out on the outside because there's nothing really holding this thing together. And, you know, I was just trying to help out. You know, I was just like, oh. hey, I'll do that because why waste somebody else's time? I'll do all I'll get rid of. It. So we got rid of it and we did a really good job. I didn't think it through. That's what's holding this whole thing up. Yeah, that and so, uh, seemingly would be obvious, I think, to most people. Uh, but uh, well, apparently you could make a case. You could make a case that that's just for the. Um, uh, for the, the, the weather, keeping the elements out, you know, keeping mm-hmm. it so it's not the wind's not blowing through those holes. You could make that case. Right, right. This is like when you want something for very goes long. wrong in our studios and you just come into the room and no one's around. So you just start pressing buttons, and which that always helps a lot. I mean, it's because there's a good chance you're going to press well, one all of the those... right buttons in the right order. Right. Right. Mm. It doesn't happen, but one day it will. Right. I mean, they always say that if you if you put a chimpanzee in front of a typewriter, eventually a novel comes out. Just a matter, just a matter, just a matter just of a matter how of many generations you have to wait. Probably a lot. So, do you know? <clears throat> kind of change uh, subjects here. Do you know who Granger Smith is? 
No. He's a country music artist. Mm. Okay, country music artist. <clears throat> excuse me. He's had a couple of number one hits. <clears throat> he has he has been he, he's really gone through um hell. His how old was his son? Uh three? Oh yeah, I did um, see the story. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's out with his son and he is thinking this is the greatest moment of my life. He's out in the backyard playing with his son. This is the greatest moment of my life. Literally, no more than three to five minutes later, he's giving his son CPR. Hmm. And his son went into the pool, drowned, and, and died. And he's, he's sharing some of his thoughts now. Um, and I just want to share this with you because this is... This is the way I feel right now all the time. Um, he, he wrote, what if we were all given a thousand days? What if you were given a gift of a thousand days on this earth and you could live those days barefoot, red hair flying back on your tractor full speed ahead? If you could do that with your family around you with no real care in the world, that's a good thousand days. That's a good way to live. And I, I tell you, we're missing some of that. I mean, everybody's going to always have cares. You know, we've been up here and, um, you know, we've had all kinds of things go wrong. A, a well go wrong. The weather went wrong for the farm and everything else. So you'll always have those. But I don't know. There's There's nothing like some of my best memories as a child is holding on to the back of the seat of the tractor and standing basically on the you know the uh, the axle or the hit the hitch in the back of the tractor as my grandfather was driving through the fields there is something to be said as we're entering summer and in summer now for that shift down getting out of that rat race all the time that we're in with school and, and with homework and everything else and just, just living barefoot and, and letting your hair fly wild and just spend it with your family and trying to do that. Um, I've spent, this year has been really tough for my son. Really, really tough. Started, um, last year, uh, if you have been following the story, I've only really talked about it once and I don't want to go into it again, but last year we had a real scare with my son and a security issue with my son. And, uh, that affected him and, uh, and he's really struggled with a lot of things and he's, you know, he's coming up on 15 years old. And so he's a typical boy and I've, I've done more as a dad, I think, with him than any of my other children, sadly, um, because uh, he's been close to the edge. He's really been close to the edge. So I've been with him a lot, and I, I've spent the last uh, few weeks with him by my side and the last two weeks, and I thank you for putting up with any kind of problems and I thank my engineering staff and the studio staff for making all of this possible, but spent the last two weeks with him just, you know, uh, building fences, um, you know, tearing, tearing things down uh, and, and working outside. And 
and just being so exhausted that he's asleep by 7 o'clock at night. And he has, he's changed. He has really changed. Um, and we'll see how long it holds. Um, but just by saying, yeah, no, no electronics, uh, he bitched and whined for a while. Um, but then he became so busy, he, he didn't even ask for it. Um, and I know that's going to change the minute we get into places where you can get cell service and internet, but, uh, kids don't want to slow down, but when you put them in a situation, uh, where the family is slowed down and you're just out doing the things that you would have done as a kid, you, it roots them. It does root them. And I, I challenge you to, um, to, to take the words of Granger Smith to heart. Because we are all given a thousand days. We just don't recognize it. The days pass and you're just like, oh, it's just another day. And before you know it, you're old. And uh, you've, you've, they've slipped through your fingers. This, this summer, begin just to think, and if I only had 30 days, if I was given a gift of 30 days, what would I do? How would I do that with my kids? Then make it 60 days. By the way, you can donate towards, um, uh, donate, you know, in, in memory of a Granger's son. Um, he's raising money for uh, the Dell Children's Medical Center in his son's name, River. Um, they were the ones who tried to save him, and I will tell you there is nothing more important than a children's hospital when you need one. Um, he's he's raising money. He's raised over $100,000 already just by selling these T-shirts of a neighbor's tractor uh, on the front, and you can donate through that. But he's got a lot of important things to say, and our thoughts and our prayers, and we believe those are meaningful are with uh, Granger Smith and his family. Back in a minute. Hey, if you're in pain, uh, Relief Factor is there for you. Relief Factor is something I started taking about 18 months ago, and I, I will tell you that I... Um, I didn't think it would work. Uh, I mean, people were taking it at the office and they were saying it's great. I'm a guy who have I've literally woken up in the middle of surgery two times. Uh, it takes an awful lot to keep me down. It's it's like they almost have to kill me to keep me under. Uh, and um, and so when it comes to pain, I'm like, that's nothing. Nothing's going to do it. Nothing's going to do it. I have a migraine headache. Nothing's going to stop that. Relief factor, I thought, could not touch my pain. It reduces inflammation, and that's the biggest problem with our pain. So it's 100% natural. It's drug-free. You, you don't space out. You don't even notice that you're, you have it in your system, but it has dramatically affected my pain. It can yours, too. Get your life back. Relieffactor.com. Do that the first thing of your 1,000 days because you're going to be able to do the things with your family that 
ReliefFactor.com. Call 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384, or ReliefFactor.com. Glenn Beck program. Uh, one thing we did not get a chance to do today, we're going to do tomorrow, uh, the new poll out on socialism. It is very revealing what Americans know about capitalism and socialism. It's shocking. Uh, also, kind of tied into this is the uh, the fact that 40% of those 18 to 24-year-old adults are no longer using deodorant. I don't know what's happening to our country. I don't like it. I don't like it. We're turning into France. Uh, and, uh, you know, everybody's got an armpit. Nobody wants to smell yours. Let's just keep that in mind. That's on tomorrow's program. Uh, now, Stu, the the Chuck Todd, Ocasio-Cortez, border, Barack Obama thing is is unbelievable. Yeah, do we? Because have- where were these yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where they've been. Uh, the, so AOC says the thing about the border being like a concentration camp. She won't back off camp. of that. She gets almost no pushback from the media or the left. People are going yeah. out of their way to defend yeah. them. Oh, there was concentration camps in in the Russian wars previously to the Holocaust. Maybe that's what she was referring oh, to. Shut up. Even though she said, uh, you know, what was it? Never forget or whatever it was like yeah. Uh, blatantly. Yeah, she we know what she was talking about. Everybody yeah. does. And they're doing this sort of retroactive fix her comment thing. Well, mm. Chuck Todd is like the only person out there on the, you know, in the mainstream media who actually pushed back against this. Uh, can we hear some of that audio? If you want to criticize the shameful treatment of people at our southern border, fine. You'll have plenty of company. But be careful comparing them to Nazi concentration camps because they're not at all comparable in the slightest. But here's where it's uh, upsetting as her comments. Some Democrats have been reluctant to condemn her remarks. They don't want to get criticized on Twitter. Fellow New York Congressman Jerry Nadler tweeted in response, one of the lessons from the Holocaust is never again. We fail to learn that lesson when we don't call out such inhumanity right in front of us. Jerry Nadler surely knows migrant detainment camps are not the same as concentration camps. So why didn't he just say that? Why are we so sheepish calling out people we agree with politically these days? Hmm. Obviously, this isn't a Democratic Party thing. It's an even bigger problem on the Republican side of the aisle when it comes to President Trump and the reluctance there. Are we really so ensconced in our political bubbles, liberal versus conservative, that we cannot talk about right versus wrong anymore? Some things are yeah, bigger than there. partisanship, or at right. least they used to be. Yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, but again, yeah. like at least he's standing up and saying, "Okay, this is ridiculous." Obviously, those comments are absurd. Apparently, not took huge, a huge bravery because he's he's under attack now. Yeah. He, so he's tr- trending on Twitter. You think, okay, wow, someone stands up to the powers that be in the Democratic Party and calls him out. Maybe that's why he's trending. Now, here's here's the description: Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd takes heat for criticizing the use of concentration camps to describe the humanitarian crisis at the border. So it's not that Ocasio-Cortez or all the people defending her are the problem. It's the one person in the media anyone could find on the left that actually took uh, this to task. Pretty freaking amazing. I, it's not They're not Congratulations, even trying anymore. Ch- Chuck Todd, thank you. Thank you for doing that. I mean, we disagree on an awful lot of things, I'm sure. But when somebody does something right that took courage and will take on the mob, thank you, Chuck Dodd. I think I think we should tweet or, you know, Facebook or email him and just say thank you. We don't agree on anything or everything, but your bravery was noticed. Thank you. That is exactly what I wrote. I, I sent him a, a messenger pigeon. Uh, that is arriving at the NBC really? studios right now with a handwritten note. I that sent says just him that. a stripogram. You did. 
Yeah. Really? A male stripogram. A male stripogram. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a, is I it, misunderstood the male. I thought it was M-A-I-L, and uh, it turns out it wasn't. So if it causes any embarrassment or any kind of problems at NBC, I am heartfelt sorry. And the only that. way to apologize for that is to send another male stripogram. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You're listening to Glenn Beck.